Today, for many places around the world, it begins a week with lots of memorials taking place, particularly throughout Canada on this November 8th. And this is part one of a two-part series. We will, of course, be back on the 11th, commemorating those brave men and women who continue to protect and fight for our freedom everywhere around the world. Hi, I'm Chris May, writer, producer, and host of This Day in Weather History, now in its second year from the Weather Network in Canada. It was known as the Great War. Not only terrible in terms of loss of life, but the weather conditions in which the combatants faced. And we picked it up today, this day in weather history. Just like yesterday's episode from 1913, this story also features circumstances that were made so much worse because of lack of communication. You see, the weather was at times as hard and deadly as the battles themselves. But in 1914, no one knew what the extent of it would be. World War I involved the active duty of more than 65 million men from over 30 countries. Of these, 620,000 were Canadians and nearly 8 million from France when they fought together in truly horrific conditions in France. What a brutal thing war is. It's bad enough having to deal with the probability of a violent death, but when you have to also fight against the weather at the same time, that proves to be a no-win scenario. Then you compound that with virtually no technology or infantile technology at the beginning. You have poor communications, you have poor preparedness as a result, and you really stack the odds against you. From August 9th through the 14th in 1914, soldiers at the front experienced a heat wave. Under more than 30 degree heat and loaded with all their gear, they crossed vast fields under blazing sun to join their companies. All of that was about to change, and not in a good way. In November of that year, the soldiers packed into the trenches and they were gonna stay there till the end of the war. It was then that they experienced their first cold snap. For three days, the mercury never got above zero. However, it was not until December when actual winter pants arrived, but that was not enough. More waiting, freezing, and fearing the enemy. Welcome to year two of this podcast. Right now, you're listening to the full version of today's story on your favorite podcast provider. But there's also the daily podcast video short. They're shot right here in my podcast recording studio, so you get that perspective. But oftentimes, they will include visuals from that day's event from when it happened in weather history. So after listening to the full story, go check out the podcast video short on television or online anytime at theweathernetwork.com forward slash weather history. Here is a quote from a soldier who was in the field from that fight. This is Andre Freiborg. The rain approaches. Our uniform is soaked piece by piece. After three hours, I feel like my flesh is frozen. Coat, jacket, sweaters, shirts are all coated. The night freezes the water, so we are refrozen. The cannon fire doubles. I bend down. I lie at the bottom of the trench, in the water. Then here comes January. Deliveries arrived, and now they were able to count on fur-lined boots, a long coat, gloves, and a balaclava. Again, knowing you were going to a place that experiences winter, and knowing you were not returning for a long time, and knowing supply drops were likely few and far between, how did they not have this prepared for before they left to protect the free world from tyranny? And now 1917. A cold wave hits northern France during the winter of that year. Between January 20th and February 9th, the temperature did not exceed the freezing mark, day or night. As a matter of cold, hard fact, it dropped as low as 
minus 23 on the morning of February 4th, and most soldiers suffered, obviously, very painful numbness in their fingers. Then in 1918, the year opened in January with the temperatures cratering to below 20 degrees at night again. Remember that these men were stationed to hold this position in these trenches until the end of the war. Here now is another quote from a soldier who lived through this hell. Philippe Polat. Many friends were evacuated for frozen feet. Many were amputated. It was a terrible night as we were sitting in 10 to 15 centimeters of snow, which made us more visible. The snow was almost always accompanied by an icy wind. And since our stomachs weren't full, we were even more cold. So they needed to improvise for heat now. To keep warm, the men made fires by using the wood from nearby trees and stumps that they cut down. But smoke quickly became a serious issue and the air in the trenches became too unbearable from the smoke. But the choices were, on this side choking through more bad air or on this side freezing to death. They chose not to freeze. The soldiers bravely and desperately huddled near the fires despite the smoke. And the following day, with faces blackened by the smoke, they had to resume fighting. In all, more than 9.7 million people died, including 60,000 Canadians. The last man to survive this tragedy died in 2011 at the age of 110. And he, with everyone else who protected our lives and freedoms, will be remembered this week on November 11th. And we will pick up our Remembrance Day week of weather and war stories on the 11th. So be with us for that. Tomorrow is November 9th. In the first week of November 2005, a vicious storm pummeled the lower Great Lakes region, packing wind gusts of 90 kilometers per hour. South of the Great Lakes, a storm spawned a tornado in Indiana. That story gets pretty complex from here. We find out just how bad it got on this day in history with me, your host, Chris May.